The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, it is another edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper, and we're so glad that you're listening. Today's going to be a little bit different because what we're going to do is to take questions. Now, we've got some current questions. We've got some people that I'm sure would perhaps like to call in with a question. And we just finished up the Gospel of Mark, and Monday we're going to start 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But we're so glad that you're listening, and I'm going to give the number in case you want to call in with a Bible question. It's 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. But, uh, Bert, we enjoyed the Gospel of Mark, didn't we? And uh, not only the content that we felt privileged to share, but lots of good calls and lots of good participation. But I'm excited about getting into First, uh, Second, and Third John too, aren't you? We are. Those are great, great, great books. And matter of fact, First John is one of those books that we suggest a new believer read. And uh, there's reasons the way you can know you're saved. It tells you all those. So it's going to be a great study. By the way, that number uh, will be available like it is every day at the last segment. And uh, Robert will be ready to take that phone call at 888-589-8840. After the second segment, we'll go to the lines. But in the end, we're going to answer a lot of questions that you've been asked, we've been asked here at wordedafr.net. And uh, we just can't get to all of them, but we can get to a lot of them. So, Alex, are you ready to read one of those questions you've received lately? Yeah. Uh, well, and what we've got here, I'm staring at uh, basically 30 questions that have come in over the last few weeks. And by the way, sometimes people, uh, they'll email us, word at AFR.net, word, W-O-R-D, at AFR.net. But um, in no particular order, I'm just going to do them as they come here. But here is uh, the first question. It says, uh, quote, How can you still be a Christian after all of the bad things religion has done over the centuries? The church overall has plenty of, quote, dirty laundry. Uh, Bert, there's a lot we could say in regard to that, but I'm going to let you go first. What what do you say? Well, uh, first of all, the problem with the church is made up of humans, even redeemed humans, And even sometimes the church has become religious without a relationship, and that puts them on the same par as the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the early church. Yes, uh, I don't mean to be flippant with it, but can you imagine how bad it would have been had it not been for the church? And Mm. uh, because the church is the one that's been on the leading edge of taking care of orphans. The church has been on the leading edge of, of, of making slavery understood that it is not of God. And so, Alex, again and again, the benefits of the church way outweigh that which is negative, and it still does even today. And so their argument, I think, is mute because they're coming at it from looking at the only bad things the church has done And if they were to take away the great things that the church has done, you would find this world in a much worse condition, if that's possible. Yeah, exactly. Hey, let me uh, give a quote here, by the way. We we could almost do the entire show just on this. Uh, But several years ago, um, there was a famous book out by an atheist basically, you know, condemning Christianity based on the... Uh, you know, bad things allegedly the church has done. And look, like you say, Bert, whenever you've got sin and sinners, you know, there's the potential for bad things. But there was um, a book by a, a Dr. Bruce Scheiman, and uh, S-H-E-I-M-A-N, and the book is titled An Atheist Defends Religion, Why Humanity is Better Off with Religion Than, than Without It. And I bought this book at a bookstore, and Uh, Here's what he says. This is a quote, and he is a philosophy professor at a college, and he's an atheist. Uh, But he says this, quote, 
Religion's misdeeds may make for provocative history, but the everyday good works of billions of people is the real history of religion. And the history of Christianity, he says, parallels the growth and prosperity of humankind. There are countless examples of individuals lifting themselves out of personal misery through faith in God. In the lives of these individuals, God is not a delusion. God is not a spell that must be broken. For millions of people every day, God indeed is great. End of quote. And so, um, I also say this, Bert, um, we're not asking you to trust a Christian that might let you down, but Christ who never will. And so while, you know, like this atheist said, you know, religion's misdeeds here and there might make for provocative history, but show me wherever the church has gone, there's literacy, there's hospitals, there's fresh water, there's benevolence, there's charity. Everywhere the church has gone, there's been the betterment of the human condition. Hey, one last thing, and then we'll move on. But, Bert, I was just reading this morning in the news, um, more and more stores, whether it be grocery stores, clothing retailers, just businesses, employers, they're leaving uh, San Francisco. They're leaving uh, wherever there has been the loss of morals, defund the police, just lawlessness, homelessness, violence— just chaos grows. Um, when show me where there's been the withdrawal of church and morality and the rule of law, it gets ugly real quick, doesn't it? It, it really does. Let me add something, and this is just recent for Mississippi, uh, the home state of you know American Family Radio, Amory, which is just uh, thirty miles south of Tupelo, where we are. Uh, when the tornado came through Amory and destroyed so many homes, so many businesses, eight days of hope was there. Churches mm-hmm. just going down there and helping. I didn't hear anything about the atheists showing up. Down in oh, Rolling yeah. Fork, Mississippi, you. where the Samaritan's Purse has been and still growing and still doing the work. I mean, they showed up. They're still helping. I didn't hear anything about the atheist of America showing up. Listen, uh, that is a falsehood promoted out of hell concerning the church. Yes, we have our issues because we're human. We have those things that was wrongly done. Yes, but when you just said, when I just recently showed you again and again how this happens, uh, yes, the church stands strong, and I'm glad to stand with the church, Alex. Uh, Norman Lear, People United for the Separation of Church and State, the ACLU, American Atheist, the uh, Satan Clubs. Bert, um, in all the, the continents I've been over and throughout 50 states, why do I never see uh, medical care, literacy, uh, soup kitchens, clothes closets? Why is that never by the atheist and the seculars? It's always Baptist men. Compassion International, Eight Days of Hope, World Vision. Uh, it's always the the church brings the cavalry Amen. coming when people have a need. That's isn't us. It? That's us, and I'm proud to be numbered with it. Amen. 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 There's a lot I could tell. I got to tell you this, and then we're going to go to the next question. But about five or six years ago, we had a horrendous ice storm. It was in the winter time. And our church that Angie and I go to, South Elm Street Baptist Church, I'll be there tonight. Um, but our parking lot was right in the, the place, and so the power company, the, the major power company that's here throughout the Carolinas, came and asked our pastor, Lawrence Clapp, if they could set up in our parking lot. And we said, of course. And so there was hundreds and hundreds of trees down, and it was in the dead of winter, and there were just, I don't know, thousands without electricity right in the month of January. Here where I live, we don't have all that much snow, but we have ice storms, right? Right. So the North Carolina Baptist men came and uh, with several hundred pickup trucks and everybody's got a chainsaw. And I remember I was at our church and uh, it was a joy to feed and bring hot chocolate and all this stuff. But one of the guys from the power company, he said, all you guys, he said, with y'all's hundreds of volunteers, 
and hundreds of men with their chainsaws. He said, we couldn't have done it without you guys. <laughs> and in two, three, four days, everybody had their power back on. Yeah. And, and they said, look, this would have taken us weeks. Thanks. I said, hey, God bless you. Happy to do it. Amen. But um, the church, it's a net positive, isn't it? It really is. And I, I don't <laughs> think it's close, you know. So, oh, yeah. Amen. Thank the Lord for it, Alex. We, I think we have time for at least another question, and we might get an answer. Let's see. Go ahead. Will we know our loved ones in heaven? <laughs> have we ever had that question asked on the telephone before, Alex? It seems like. <laughs> so, Bert, we get to heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord, but our loved ones, will we know our loved ones in heaven? With all my heart, I do believe yes. I think the the Mount of Transfiguration, knowing Moses and Elijah, I don't think they had name tags on. You know, they knew yeah. that. I think they knew them. They observed that. And all the evidence is, I would say, yes. Now, it's going to be a different relationship. It's not going to be different. It's going to be different. Marriage, you know, it's not. Are you going to know that your husband and your wife, yeah, you're going to know them. But let me just share with you. I think it'll be a better relationship there. Oh, if you yeah, had that yeah. relationship down here of your child, I think it's going to be a better one up there. But, yes, you, I, with all my heart, Alex, I do believe that, uh, that we will know them. What about you? Well, I agree. I completely uh, agree that we're going to know our loved ones in heaven. And like you say, one of the great verses is Matthew 17. Peter, James, and John are with the Lord up on the Mount of Transfiguration. There's Moses and Elijah that have been dead for centuries, and yet they knew them. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 says we will know as we are known, but here's the thing. 1 John 4, 8, and we'll, we'll be in 1 John uh, come Monday, good Lord willing, but it says there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. I mean, as great as our love relationships are, husband, wives, spouses, families, um, in heaven— no more fear, no motives, no anything. I honestly think our relationships in heaven are going to be even closer yeah. than the most intimate marriages and love relationships were here on earth. I, I agree with you fully. And it's the one thing you want to do, those of you who are listening, make sure you're going to be there. Trust oh, Jesus yes. Christ as Savior. Don't leave it up to just chance or procrastination. Trust Christ today, right now, today. If you need help, I want to give that partner, Triple Eight. need him. Call Alex. They're ready, wanting yeah. to talk to people and lead them to Christ. So call that number if you need Christ. Triple Eight. need him. We'll be back with more questions and answers right after the break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Senator Kevin Kramer of North Dakota. He is the state's junior senator and a former member of the U.S. House of Representatives. Romans 8.28 reminds us of the qualities we should seek in our leaders. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Senator Kevin Kramer as he represents the people of North Dakota. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Join millions of Americans tomorrow for the National Day of Prayer. Participation is absolutely free. To reserve your online prayer room, go to pausetopray.org. Pausetopray.org. If you have manners, you'll say thanks when someone does you a favor. But Dr. Tony Evans says if you have faith, you should say it a lot sooner. He'll explain today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Let me ask you a question. If your health is falling apart, you're probably going to go to the doctor because you think the doctor can help you get it back together again. If your car is making all kind of noise, that means you need a mechanic. What do you do when your world is falling apart? When your nation is in trouble, you've hit a crisis so big that you have nowhere to go. When all human options have disappeared on you, we've had a lot of problems that we need solutions for, but that starts with going Godward. Time to get your praise on. Praise is accentuating and expressing 
value to God. You can worship privately without saying a word. You can worship, but you can't do that with praise. Praise is worship gone public. Praise is declaring your stand. That's what the psalmist meant in Psalm 34 when he said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt and extol his name together. When you magnify God, you can't make God bigger, but a magnifying glass doesn't make something bigger. It just shows you in a bigger way what's really there. Get your praise on even though your problem's not so. Praise God that he's bigger than corona. Praise God that he's bigger than your private coronas. Praise him that he's greater than whatever the greatest challenge is in your life. Learn to develop a deeper trust in God's preserving power. Check out Tony's CD series, Clarity in a Crisis, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow weak or discouraged before he has established justice on the earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. Isaiah 42, 3 and 4. American Family Radio. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender Amen. What a song. That's one of my favorites, more recent ones. And I appreciate Brent working that in and putting that in. He is a good, good father. If you have never really experienced salvation, you're missing having the best father that the world has ever known. Alex, I want to give a real quick testimony. My wife, Jan, uh, her father left their family when Jan was real young. And uh, so she was growing up in a time that which was unusual back in the 50s and early 60s. You know, most of the homes were intact. Some of them were not. Jan's was not. And as a young, young Christian, a young girl, she asked Jesus, she asked the Heavenly Father, would you be my father? And she mm. says, I grew up with the best father anybody could ever have. He's a good, good father, and I, amen, amen Alex, he is, and that, that's why we give that number all the time, Triple Eight Need Him, because we want to, as many people in as possible, to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, because uh, it changes everything, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, Jesus changes everything. You know what? I was thinking about this. Uh, D. James Kennedy. Bert, do you remember that name? Oh, D. James man, Kennedy. I love D. James Kennedy. He's yes. been dead, yes. maybe going on 15, 16 years, but yes. he wrote a book, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? You know, uh, for the people that maybe are dismissive of Christianity, and in fact, this does bring me to another one of our questions. Uh, somebody writes in and asks, why does Christianity or most Christian denominations insist that they are, quote, the one true religion? Well, um, Christianity is unique. And James Kennedy talked about the fact, whether it be uh, printing, you know, we just celebrated the, the release of the King James Bible in 1611. Well, Gutenberg, isn't it something? I mean, movable type printing was invented to print the Word of God. Amen. And whether it be things like human rights uh, and uh, our representative government and really the birth of America, the Reformation— and so many things, um, Christianity has immeasurably blessed the world. But, you know, why do we say that Jesus is the only way? Well, Jesus said that Jesus is, is the only way, didn't he? He really did. And Jesus made it plain, no one can come to the Father but by me. That word by means by, through. 
It's no other way. There's not a plan B. There's not an alternate route. And Jesus proclaimed that. And people that want to say, well, he was a good teacher. He was a good healer. But, man, I don't think. No, if that's the truth, you go back to C.S. Lewis and Josh McDowell, and you come to the conclusion Jesus either he, he was a liar, lunatic, or Lord. And, and I, I, with all my heart, <clears throat> you, you can't have it all, all the ways. Jesus is Lord. And uh, the only way you can come to the Father, into heaven, is by him. Now, listen, the Bible says that that's what we treat, preach and teach. Jesus is the way. It's one way. It's one Savior. And, Alex, one faith. And it's in Christ mm. alone, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, the Christian message is unique. I mean, it really is. For one thing, Christianity, as we say this, but it's not just some words. This is a very important, salient difference. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship Preach it, with brother. the Lord. Yeah, I, I mean, and th- this is not just words. Um, you know, they estimate there are roughly 24,000 religions in the world, but they all pretty much break down to the concept of works. You know, um, somehow or another, my meritorious efforts will put me over the tipping point, 51%, and there's more good than bad. Christianity says, look, uh, everything about us is, is really bad and sinful. Augustine said this 1,600 years ago. He said, even our good works are merely, quote, splendid sins. <laughs> and so here comes Christianity with a really different message, that to go to heaven, you've got to be righteous, well, not just good effort or best intentions. In other words, if you want to go to heaven, you need to be, quote, as holy as God. But none of us have that. So if we have a relationship with Jesus who paid our sin debt, rose from the dead, then his righteousness is accounted to us. You are in the eyes of the Father as holy as Jesus if, not, not if you work real hard or try to do some good things, but if you put your faith in Jesus, you have a relationship with God through Jesus. And that is an absolute unique message. But the other thing that makes Christianity unique, and we just celebrated this several weeks ago, there's an empty tomb. Amen. No other figure, no religion, no founder, no philosopher, only the Lord Jesus beat death. <laughs> Amen. That's unique. He overcame two of our, our, you know, the greatest things, our faults we have, sin and death. He was victorious. Come see where the Lord lay. That's where he laid. He's not there anymore. He is risen. And so that's why we celebrate it. Really, they say Easter, but we really celebrate the resurrection every day. When you get up because of the faith that a person has placed in Christ Jesus, it's a new day. And I praise God for that. So, yes, uh, Christianity is unique. Yes, it is exceptional. Yes, it is the way. Now, if man tries to start tinkering with that, I want to tell you, you'll get it out of step. Uh, Obey the word. The word says, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon yourself and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Come to Christ today. Don't delay. Alex, how about another question? Okay, um, here's another question. Um, What about evolution? And uh, really a a secondary question. We've gotten this from several different uh, ways of asking, but basically, has science disproven God or disproven <laughs> religion? And what about evolution? Amen. L- I, let's speak to this. I, I'm not going to take a long time. Our friend, both Frank Turek, I I love the name of his show that's heard every weekend on AFR, Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. I, mm, I just yeah. want to tell you, which is an evol- they basically evolutionist. I, they say, oh, I'm a Christian evolutionist. Listen, I, I understand that thought and people where you come from, but listen, to believe in evolution, what in the world are you believing in? You're believing in chance, and the only way 
that they can even start thinking about evolution is the point of get before we started anything. Go way so far back that you can't test it. As far back right, as right. you can go uh, physically, as far back as we can go in history, guess what? It is creation. It is man. It is God coming forth, uh, God, a man coming forth from God. That's the only they hide it in the past, which it cannot be proven. And uh, Alex, those missing links that Darwin or the missing link that Darwin was talking about, guess what? Has not been found. No, no. Oh, my goodness. You know what? Uh, there was an Oxford University professor named Anthony Kenny, and listen to this quote. He said, a, a proponent of the Big Bang must, if he is an atheist, believe that the universe came from nothing and by nothing. It's amazing. Do you know what? Even Charles Darwin in 1873, Darwin said, the impossibility of conceiving that this grand and wondrous universe with our conscious selves arose through chance seems to me to be the chief argument for the existence of God. So to the question, no, science has not disproven God or the Bible, not at all. And first of all, Bert, let me just say this. People throw around the word science, but really, to be very accurate here, there are the sciences. There's biology, chemistry, physics, forensic pathology, even mathematics. There are the different branches of science, and each one has its various playbook. And now, commonly, a lot of people will throw around the idea that, quote, science has disproven God. But really, I was asked, I'll say, okay, what scientific discovery has ever disproven God? And the answer is none of them. Now, evolution is is a theory, but evolution is an unproven theory. It's not observed. So so really, let me just um, throw out a couple of authors I would encourage you to read, um, not the least of which is Ken Ham, Answers in Genesis, my goodness, Andrew Snelling, uh, Terry Mortensen, uh, J. Warner Wallace, my goodness, uh, Cold Case Christianity, and you mentioned, of course, Frank Turek, who wrote, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. But really, the burden of proof is on the atheist to try to prove how did something come from nothing, how did uh, order give rise to chaos? How did order come from chaos, rather? How did chance produce intelligence? How did inanimate matter develop consciousness? On and on we could go. But no, in no way has science, quote, disproven God. In fact, far from it, the order of the universe indicates there had to be an intelligent cause of this let me say this alex the great scientists in the past many of them were believers followers of christ many of them got their ideas from the word of god itself and so listen it is a sure word it is true and when you have evolution i want to ask you something a mutation uh what is Hmm. a mutation it is something that appears in one generation that is different from the past generation. And most of the time, most of the time, that's ridiculous to say, just about every time, it does not occur in the next generation. It was just that time. And the mutations that they have are are ones that are to the detriment of the species, not the addition to the species. I want to ask you, based upon what you know about mutations, based upon what they teach about evolution, uh, if how in the world does change happen without mutations? Has, oh, isn't yeah. that the uh, hasn't that got to occur? Mutation from one generation to another, something had to occur. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and I know I'm getting a little bit deep in the weeds here, but um, no mutation has ever been seen to add additional information to the genome. That's exactly in other words. Right. Our, our DNA, uh, whether it's you know humans, plants, animals, reptiles, fish, look, um, evolution says that the way that all of this multiplicity of life occurred is through gene mutations. But look, fins, feathers, fingers, <laughs> you name it, 
if you want from something to turn into something else, that takes additional genetic information or coding. And we've never observed a mutation adding additional information. That's why Turek and Geisler would say, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, because what you, you're by faith believing in something we've never observed. <laughs> that is so yeah. true. And listen, yeah. uh, regardless, those those kids that's in the back seat riding home with mom or dad or grandmom or aunt or friend, and you're he, being taught evolution in school, I just want to tell you, yes, I had to repeat it back but I never believed it. Yes, I had yeah, to say certain yeah. things, not to affirm it, but to say, yes, I know about it. There's nothing wrong with knowing about it, but as long as you know about it, but know it's not true. But when you see in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, you're looking at that is reality. Yes, God did it, and he, and he is the one. You can depend upon him. Alex, right. that's why evolution came about. It was not a science. It was a philosophy, the philosophy of trying to give an answer without God. In other words, yeah. if, if, I'm, if God's not my creator, I'm not accountable to him. And if I'm not accountable to him, I can go any direction I want. But if he does exist and he is the creator, he's the one that has established this, that means at some point in time, I'm going to have to give an account. And so it's mm. a philosophy. It, I, I'll just put it this way. I know I'm going wide here. It's not even science, honestly. No, it, it really, really isn't. You are right. Uh, folks, we could say secularism, Darwinism, phys physicalism, empiricism. All of those isms really mean a world without God, just this physical world and Bert, you are absolutely right. It is not science. It's a theory of trying. Well, somebody sent in this question: What are the practical implications of atheism? See, practical uh, implications mean there is no God. But if there is no God, there is no right. There is no wrong. There, there's just life, you know, as, as it is. But it's a very empty life. Um, there's a guy named Thomas Nagel. And I think this is very telling. Uh, Thomas Nagel debated uh, Gary Habermas, who's a friend and a colleague and a Christian. He's a philosophy professor at New York University and a law professor. Listen to this, because I think it's very revealing. Nagel says, I want atheism to be true, and I am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent, well-informed people I know are believers. He's, now listen to this. It's not just that I don't believe in God, and I hope I'm right. I don't want there to be a God. And, Bert, that's where a lot of the atheists are. That's exactly where they are. Don't you be one of them, you who are listening today. We're going to take your phone calls in the next segment. That number, 888-589-8840. We would love to hear your Bible question today. Persecuted believers in Asia, they love their enemies and they count it all joy to suffer for the Lord Jesus. This is Bible League International. In China, Pastor Katsu was badly beaten. The thing they did to him is ask him to face the wall and they strike him, um, chest in his back. And it was very painful. He said he, afterwards he lay in bed for three days that he could not get up. So he said the suffering is really, really hard, but the fruit is sweet. It's a joy, joy of God. Pastor Katsu can say the suffering is sweet because days later his interrogator showed up at his doorstep with a question why were you at such peace when we were beating you so he would open his door open his mandarin bible and lead this man to christ together they have seen thousands come to christ in china where bibles are scarce you and your family can bless these bibleist believers in china and all across asia at only five dollars a bible one hundred dollars since 20 call 800 yes word 800 yes word or give at sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org Here's Ellis Craft of Reach a Village Ministries. I had the privilege of being raised in a Christian home as both a pastor's kid and missionary kid. The faith and prayers of my parents and grandparents had a huge impact on me. I'm forever grateful for the legacy of the gospel in my life as a child. And I love that at Reach a Village, we are bringing the gospel to families with children. 
we are giving children a chance to respond to the gospel and become a great blessing to their families, their communities, and their nations. Any gift today will be doubled up to $30,000. That means just $1 reaches two children, $5 would reach 10 children, and then $50 would reach 100 children. To give, I want you to go to reachavillage.org slash AFR or call 833-773-2247. That's 833-7-REACH-7. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Will Thomas, the man who swam competitively for the University of Pennsylvania for three years, who then conveniently decided in his final year of collegiate eligibility to identify himself as a woman and go by the name Leah, suggested in a recent podcast interview that women who connect womanhood to biology are fake feminists. So the guy who harassed women in the locker room after swim meets, exposing his intact male biology, has the audacity to declare himself the arbiter of authentic feminism? I'm sick of this whole stupid game, and I refuse to go along with this insane nonsense. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Everybody here looking for revival in our own hearts and across the land. Welcome back to Explore the Word. We're doing Q&A, the first two segments, and now it's your time for the phone calls to come in. And, man, people are calling. Alex, we need to get to as many of these phone calls today as possible. Are you ready? I think we're ready. Uh, We're going to first go to, and by the way, the number is 888-589-8840. First, Jim in Arkansas. Jim. Yeah, Jim, you're on. Real quick, I told him I'd be quick. Uh, is there a God? Well, if the earth was a million miles farther away from the sun, we'd freeze to death. If we were a million miles closer, we'd burn up. 93 mm-hmm. million miles from the earth to the sun. Now, two rocks bumped together and made this. Two rocks? No! <laughs> it was my God in heaven. He created this, and that's the only way that I'm breathing and loving him today. Amen. Amen, Amen. Amen Jim. You know, let, let me jump in here for a second. You know, what you're talking about is called the anthropic principle. The, the And do you know what? Scientists, and not Christians, not necessarily evangelicals, but many scientists have identified what are called the anthropic constants. Uh, the 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 nuclear forces, gravity, the distance from the sun, the the twenty three degree tilt of the Earth's axis, the way the planets move. There are these anthropic. Now the word anthropology speaks to human life. All of these things that seem to indicate the fine tuning of the planet. Just so, and that's why they call where we are the Goldilocks zone. Remember, Goldilocks said, you know, this porridge is just right. <laughs> just right. This bed <laughs> is just right. And so, uh, Jim, but it doesn't you break. A, but it doesn't break. And exactly. The bed or the chairs. Amen. That's yeah, great. Uh, yeah. There, there are more than a hundred details that, if any one or more of them were off in the slightest degree, life on Earth would not be possible. It does seem like the planet was finely tuned for for human life. Uh, Lisa in, is it uh, Alabama? Yes, this is Lisa. Okay. Hey, um, Bert and Alex, I know both of y'all kind of grew up on a farm, but my question is about like the lambs and the red heifer um, like the Jewish people must have had to have meticulous records to know where this one was the firstborn and this one is so many years old. I mean, having a large flock, um, I just I just wanted to, to, to get your opinion on um, how they would know that. 
You're right. They were meticulous. Let me just say that, Alex, and I'll let you take it away. But the meticulousness of that, and, and it comes from knowing God. God was meticulous. We, let me just say this, and I, uh, this was talking about evolution, and I, hard for me to get off all of that after starting it, Alex. When you look at just a flower, just a flower, take a daisy, for instance, and see the intricate parts of it and see the detailedness of it, you know that God is detailed. And the Jewish people, again, that they could mark them, and they not only, the Bible says, uh, Lisa, he knows the sheep by name. That's what he does. But I'd say this about the, the flock keepers, the shepherd. Uh, they knew their flocks really well, and they knew the times they were born, didn't they? They, they really did. Uh, you know, there is something. Bert, when you have been in Israel, did you visit the Temple Institute? I did not. I did not. We did. There is, uh, and, and by the way, to your question, whether it be the red heifer, and the Bible talks about uh, the ashes of a red heifer being used in sacrifices, um, the, the implements of the, the priests and the work of the temple. Now, we know we don't have to have that because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit now, and the sacrifice has been made. Jesus paid it all. Jesus fulfilled the minutia of the law. But let, let me just say that for those that sadly don't accept Jesus as the Messiah, they've been very meticulous to try to get ready for the rebuilding of the temple and the reinstitute of the, the sacrificial system. Now, Bert, aren't you glad we're set free from trying to fulfill the law because it's all fulfilled in Jesus? Amen. I, I don't, I'm not saying this any facetious way. Just when it comes to meticulous and particulars, I um, praise the Lord that I was not Jewish. I'm afraid I would have gotten lost so many times over the details. Being a oh, yeah. Baptist pastor and doing the Lord's Supper was hard enough for me. I, I w I'm not a ritualistic guy. You've been around me long enough to know that, Alex. And sometimes, uh, but the Jewish, th that's amazing to me how God gave that to them. And it was a beautiful example of how we cannot keep it but how Jesus came and fulfilled every detail that needed to be fulfilled Amen. to be the Messiah. I praise God it's Jesus, isn't it? Well, you know, John eight thirty six, and we're going to be in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John beginning Monday, but in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 36, it says, if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. Amen. See, Galatians says the law was a schoolmaster, literally a tutor, to bring us to Christ. I'll put it this way, um, and I remember I was a young believer and I was talking to somebody who had tried Judaism and later became a born-again believer. See, if you look at the law and the, the minutia, you say, oh, Lord, have mercy. I can't keep all this. Um, may God have mercy on me. Yeah. I mean, you look at Jesus. Wow. Oh, my goodness, why wouldn't you want to be set free by the Lord Jesus? He fulfilled the law. Jesus was kosher for us. We couldn't keep kosher. <laughs> so you put, you put your faith in Jesus, and the righteousness and the fulfillment of the law is yours. And that's why John 8, 36 says, in Christ, yes, we are free indeed. Hallelujah. We? Amen, Alex. You you made me glad I was saved all over again, brother. Amen. Amen. Where, where do you uh, go to next? Arkansas. Um, am I saying this correctly? Is it Alpha in Arkansas? Correct. Correct. Welcome. Welcome. Yes, well, what's your correct. question for us today? Okay. My question is, this is a Jehovah Witness that my son-in-law is a Jehovah Witness, and he asked me this question. And I said, I don't know. I'll just find out for you. It was begotten son. It's in there in Genesis about uh, a lot of begotten. Somebody begot somebody, and somebody else begot somebody else. Okay. You probably know where it is. It's in Genesis, I, I believe. Yeah, thank you, Alf. Great question, Jehovah's Witness. Alex, it's like Jesus being the firstborn. It's a position, isn't it? Not yeah. not talking about generation of, but position of. How would you state it? Well, great question. And uh, let me just say that, um, you know, I would urge your, your son to 
get out of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society uh, because the Watchtower really is, uh, in the aftermath of the Second Great Awakening in the 19th century, um, Charles T. Russell, Charles Taze Russell, and those that started what we, we commonly talk about, the Jehovah's Witnesses, but it was really the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. That's a different gospel. They don't accept what Christ taught about himself. Jesus taught that he is God incarnate. John 8, John 10, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I and the Father are one. But here's the interesting thing. All right, in the book of Genesis, there are what are called the begats, because it's talking about the birth of this one gets to the birth of ultimately Jesus. Now, let me talk about the word begotten. In the King James Bible, the word begotten, it speaks of the same, or, the origin of something. In, in John 3.16, it says that Jesus is begotten of the Father. But what it really means is only begotten means of the same nature or essence. So ultimately, all these um, begottens are speaking to the fact that the Father sent the Son, and the Son is of the same nature or essence as the Father. Ultimately, the only thing we need to know about begottenness is that the Son is of the same nature as the Father, and when we are in the Son, we are right with Almighty God the Father. That's the greatest news about begottenness, isn't it, Bert? It really is. That's the reason Jehovah's Witnesses uh, Alpha have trouble with John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. They completely leave that out because it takes away everything they believe concerning Jesus Christ. And uh, so hang in there, pray for your uh, son-in-law, and just let me just say, I, if you don't know what to do, make much of Jesus. I, Alex, I am not, you know, that is the whole deal. Jesus Christ, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men to him. Make much of Jesus. Jesus has changed your life. Jesus gave us new life. Jesus is coming again. Make much of Jesus, no matter what else you do. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to go to Sandy in Mississippi. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Thanks for holding, Sandy. Thank you. Um, I appreciate y'all's program and learn a lot and, and really enjoy listening. Um, God bless you. And I've heard you speak on this, but I'm going to take notes this time. Uh-huh. Um, about AFR, I mean, I'm sorry, about um, speaking in tongues, was that just something that was during biblical times? I know some people do that now, especially, I think, Pentecostal maybe, and I've just often wondered for sure, uh, is that something that we should be seeking? Or I, anyway, go thank ahead. You, Sandy. <laughs> yeah, Sandy, thank you. Get ready. Take these notes. Let me just share this with you. Uh, in the book of Acts, the, the languages, it was a different language. It mm. is different. In the book of 1 Corinthians, it can be or seems a little bit different than that. But it, listen, Speaking in tongues, I don't believe all the gifts have have ceased. I do not believe that. Alex and I both, we agree on that. But it is not a sign for salvation. It is not. Mm-hmm. Practically speaking, and that's I know that's where I come from so much, Alex, the practical speaking of tongues in the book of Acts can be traced completely why it was. In the book of Corinthians, I don't see the practicality of it. But yet, at the same time, to say it does not exist, but seeking it, if it's a gift, I wouldn't think you would have to seek it. I believe he said, go after the better gifts. And Mm -hmm. that wasn't one of them that he was talking about, was it? You know, it's funny that, um, you know, uh, Paul talks about this uh, in 1 Corinthians, um, you know, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Um, You know, 
the the sign of a Christian, John thirteen thirty eight, I believe it is, says, By this will all men know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. Isn't that something? Now, we just finished uh, Mark yesterday. Wow. My goodness, I'm seeing we have so many calls. I, I wish we had another hour, but we will tomorrow. These signs, Mark sixteen seventeen. these signs will accompany those who believe. And it talks about, by the power of the Holy Spirit, preaching the gospel— and one of the one of the things that the church has is tongues. It says that we'll speak in new tongues. And you know, First uh, Corinthians fourteen thirty nine says, um, "Earnestly desire to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues." But Bert, you know, when you read Acts and Acts, you know, um, the Spirit of God fell at Pentecost. And Acts 2, 4, they begin to speak in other tongues. And you read there are 16 known languages there. So let me say this, Sister Sandy. Salvation is putting your faith in Jesus. That's that's true. But I, I do believe that there are miraculous gifts. There are healings, prophesying. And yes, there is the power of God to proclaim truth in other tongues. Uh, previously unknown languages, but Bert, when I read this, you know, in Acts two six, a multitude came together, each hearing the gospel in their own language. It's a miracle, and I don't necessarily, I don't see where in the New Testament that the miracle of prophecy has stopped, the miracle of tongues, it's not stopped either. Uh, but Bert, not all have all the gifts, do they? They do not. And uh, again, I hope this helps, Sandy. Again, uh, it's not necessary for salvation, but I have been with people who they felt God had given them that gift. And uh, so we, we're going to be here saying, follow God all the way. Alex, mm-hmm. we, got any, we got time at least can, for one more. We- Get one more. Alan in Texas, I think a first-time caller. Welcome to the Exploring yes. the Word family, Alan. <laughs> well, thank you. I truly enjoy your show. Um, I'm calling just to um, get your help on something. I'm a sinner. Um, I want to improve my worship of God's Word and understanding it. Do you have any type of biblical commentaries that you recommend for us to use as we go through and try to understand and, and you know, get closer to God. Okay, we don't have a lot of time. There's some one books, but let me give you a author. If you can find his books on any book of the Bible, Warren Wiersbe, I want to just tell yeah. you, he is an awesome teacher. Warren Wiersbe. Alex, what would you say? By the way, I've got a recommended reading list that I'm going to send to Brent Austin. Maybe we can put it up on Facebook. But a, a good one-volume commentary, folks, you will not be disappointed, is Wilmington's Guide to the Bible. And that's Harold H.L. Wilmington, W-I-L-L-M-I-N-G-T-U-N, Wilmington's Guide to the Bible, published by Tyndale. Bert, that, that book is power-packed. Well, I'm going to make a call tomorrow and Friday. We're going to take calls all program. We just had seven or eight calls we couldn't get to. Jimmy from Alabama, I see that. We're praying for you. Write Jimmy Mm. down and pray for Jimmy the next 24 hours, asking God to bless him. We'll see you tomorrow for more of Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.